0: How's that, everybody?
1: Yay, that's good. All right, <laughs> The on-air lights are all on. That's fantastic. Okay, in this hour, we're going to be talking to you folks a little bit about Brema, the wisdom of Brema, and helping us with that is Alexandra R. Johnson, MD, trained in family medicine at the University of Colorado with a fellowship in obstetrics. In her medical career, the emphasis has been on finding simple and meaningful paths to optimal health. And she's been a teaching faculty at the University of Colorado and Addis Ababa University in Ethiopia. Wow. Working at a refugee clinic in rural Colorado and is a specialist in developing physician wellness curricula. Welcome, Alexandra, to the show. Appreciate uh, you being here.
2: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Full disclosure, we visited Alexandra and her center here in the Scotts Valley area yesterday for the first time.
0: Yes, because we were not really very familiar with this modality of health practice, and we wanted to meet her in person and get a little bit of an intro so that we could help our listeners to really get a thorough understanding, and it was absolutely a wonderful experience.
1: So, Alexandra, for the uninitiated, how would you describe Prima?
0: Yeah,
2: so brema, it's a practice, and there's really three main parts by which we teach it. There's the body work,
1: uh-huh.
2: and then there's self brema exercises, and then the nine principles of harmony. Mm. And one way we talk about brema is that it's the activity of my body when I'm present. Mm. So that supports me to be present and available in all the activities of daily life. And the body work and the exercises and the nine principles of harmony are, are inroads, really practical steps to help me do that.
0: Hmm. Now, you told us what BREMA is an acronym for. I think that would be a good thing to share. I think it really helps people have an insight of what the practice is about.
2: Yeah, BREMA is an acronym for being right now, everywhere, every moment,
0: myself, actually. <laughs> that's great (laughs) fancy way of saying know thyself but (laughs) it means so much more
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. Now, from what I understand this, this is a, a more of a getting yourself into a certain state of uh, being for wellness, for a certain way of feeling and, and thinking. And I understand that the nine principles of harmony will help get you into this state where self-healing happens, where wellness is experienced. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah. Rema is really an activity for daily life. It supports us, like you said, son, to know ourselves so that we can actually bring that knowing and being into our everyday life when we're in the marketplace, when we're with our families at our jobs. So the practice, when we're learning the body work or the exercises, we're working with those nine principles of harmony. And then we get a taste, a taste of mind and body and feelings together. And via that taste, then we actually can enter life and be in life unified. And so, those nine principles of harmony are very practical ways to connect to ourselves, which is actually really connecting to our wholeness. Mm.
1: Um, okay. Well, let's let's look at that. If it's really practical, then then maybe people can try it for themselves, or just from us describing and Maybe they'll they'll experience some of its benefits right now. Sure. Like for example, <laughs> the, f- <laughs> I had the first one you said. Well, the first of the nine principles is listed as body comfortable. Now, what does that mean exactly? Where you're just really comfortable in your skin, or you're just relaxed, and or what?
2: Well, if you're like me, and I imagine a lot of people out there are, if you really look at yourself, I'm pretty much not comfortable when I check in with myself. (laughs) So part of this is seeing actually how I've lived my life up till now. So right now, if I check in, I'm like, yeah, there's some tension in my shoulders. I've got some thoughts. I'm thinking about a bunch of other things other than actually just being available now. Mm. And so just that principle of body comfortable, first of all, it shows me, what I haven't been doing, how I haven't been living my life. And then there's very practical steps I can take. So, hmm,
1: like getting in a I massage could, chair or what?
2: Just sitting there right now, right? So, oh. how are your shoulders? How's your back? Are you in a comfortable position?
0: <laughs> I noticed can we can all three it? sat up a little straighter as you brought our attention to that.
1: I'm in my broadcasting, Shakira. That, that, that's not about comfort. It's about a weakness. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and then, I, and then I look at my thoughts. Like, yeah. I might be having some very uncomfortable thoughts right now. And yeah. if I can bring in this other principle, no judgment, if I don't judge my thoughts hmm. – that becomes more comfortable. So if I stop having this constant, oh, you're doing something wrong or that constant nagging, if I even notice that.
1: Okay. So you're saying one of the other, one of the other nine principles is no judgment. Now, no judgment of yourself.
2: Yes. Yes. And again, once I say, oh, I wish to enter into no judgment. Wow. I am judging everything always (laughs) all the time, myself, everyone else. And that's actually not so comfortable, right? That creates a separation between me and others. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah,
2: And so the practicality there is to notice it and then to not have judgment of that way of living, because that's kind of how everything in my life has always told me to live, live in judgment, live in separation, live in fear.
1: Yeah. That seems to be basic in our culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you stop judgment for initially yourself and then others that you think we'll get this or do you just stop judging period how far did you take this Well I mean the
2: first step is is actually just seeing right that there is all this judgment ah. And then if I can become comfortable with that if I cannot judge the judgment then it doesn't have power over me mm anymore so if i'm walking down the street and i see oh gosh i'm judging this guy like i don't like the way that guy looked at me then i, I just notice that and then i notice if we go back to body comfortable i notice that that made me pretty 10 yes and so i can yes. my body i can have well wishing for him i can have well wishing for myself and then already i've actually taken a step in that direction of no judgment
1: gotcha so you're actually taking back your power by going into a state of no judgment instead of giving it away to others.
2: Yeah, we just begin to see how we functioned up till now and how actually one thing we're working with in Brema, this is our natural way of thinking and feeling, but we've been conditioned so unnaturally. One thing these nine principles help us do is see, wow, this principle of mutual support.
1: Mm. That's another one, isn't it? Mutual support, right? Mutual support is considered one of the nine principles principles of harmony. What does that mean? Is it thinking win-win all the time? Mutual support or what?
2: If I have that posture that everything in my life is actually there to support me, then I'm not as afraid. Then I'm not as afraid even if there's things that are uncomfortable or things I don't like. I Mm. begin to see, oh, how can actually I use that to support me? And if it reminds me to come to the body, if it helps me see, oh, look at how tense I am. So there are nine windows to one garden and that garden is my natural state of moving thinking feeling
1: yes yes the mutual support reminds me of uh, a local character named rob Brezhnev who wrote a book called pro noia which is about how the universe Mm -hmm. is secretly conspiring to help us (laughs) achieve our goals and that it's a friendly world out there not one that is uh, constantly trying to get us
0: Yeah, I want to read from one of your little cue cards here about mutual support and about how at any moment we are manifesting in harmony with our understanding that's in harmony with our conscience and in harmony with our true nature. And in that way, we're being supported. So I think that it's so simple, and yet the temptation is to act like people don't have access to it. But the idea is that. Your inner nature is already aware of what it needs and is in alignment with creating heaven on earth, with being in harmony. You don't have to even judge yourself on that. You just have to open up and see it. Is that
1: your experience?
2: Well, you know, yeah. And we were talking about this yesterday, right? Like, I actually can't win at the expense of anyone else. So, real support is always mutual. It's like we have this idea like, oh, if I have more, then I'm winning somehow more better bigger and that's like the way the universe works what i'm i'm taking more but it's all still part of one whole existence (laughs) so nothing is actually me and mine and so we just begin to see oh wow if i win it it means everybody is in the real sense and so if i'm more comfortable practically as a doctor if somebody comes in and you guys have probably experienced this before if you're in a room with someone who's really nervous and anxious and uncomfortable with themselves yeah you kind of feel that you pick that up. You yeah, yeah. Some but people don't you're... like to
1: be interviewed. They come in and they're really nervous and, and we have to help them relax for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And But if you're in the room with somebody who's comfortable yeah. and relaxed and more in the direction of harmony, that's then shared, right? That's mutual. And it supports all of us.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So it behooves us to be in our relaxed state most of the time, especially around other people that perhaps are having a harder time doing that. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. And then, and then the body work when we share the body work that really gives us insights to that because, again, I have this idea like, oh, if I'm leaning into somebody's leg and I do it more, mm. right, or like I put force in there or more firmness, somehow they're going to benefit. But if I lean into someone with the comfortable, relaxed way of my body then we're both, and I'm not tense, they're not tense, and we're just, we're both receiving the benefit of that relaxation yeah, together.
1: Yeah, your patient can tune into you more and you more into your patient. Yeah. That brings up another element of this is that part of brema, at least from the therapeutic end, which you practice, is actual body work. right? Mm-hmm. Now Could you describe for the audience what example of the kind of body work that you practice?
2: Brema body work, really the practice is for the practitioner to actualize any one of these nine principles of harmony. Hmm. And so then it becomes just as comfortable to give as to receive. So if a client comes and people come to see me as a doctor or they come to see me just to receive Brahma body work, all sorts of, it's very supportive and nurturing for physical ailments. Hmm. But actually the place where it's working is that, that essential nature, like waking up, our essential nature feeling that support. So the practitioner is continually fine-tuning the quality of touch based on the relationship with the recipient.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. And would that be like a massage or? or?
2: Mm-hmm. So it's practiced fully clothed on a padded surface mm-hmm. and it's leans and holds and stretches. Some are more active. Mm-hmm. Some are just quiet holds. And it's really based on Actually, the relationship between the giver and the receiver in that moment. And there's hundreds and hundreds of brema sequences. And we practice them and we teach them as they were given to us. Brema is really an an old technique that was given to us by somebody who had practiced it his whole life. And it was part of his village, part of his culture. And then it's been reformed to offer it to us. To bring it to our society. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Of day, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting because it, it did seem like um, what you were practicing with us was something that could have been done hundreds of years ago. Yeah. For, so when you were tuning into giving us a demo, how would you describe those techniques that you worked on with us?
2: Well, um... <laughs> <laughs> like the <laughs> yeah. leg
1: stretching was really interesting, you know,
2: yeah. leg stretching, leaning twists tapping brushing and it's just these movements that we used to move our bodies every day right we'd be in the fields and we'd be cooking and cleaning and so there's actually still aspects of that we can just bring our natural movement to one of the other brima principles is no hurry no pause yeah so yeah,
1: that's uh, could you explain that
2: yeah yeah so for example in the context of giving Brema body work If I'm holding someone's legs and they're really heavy,
1: Mm.
2: I don't want to be working. And I'm so used to having to like, like no pain, no gain, Mm. but I'm using all my body weight to support maybe those legs in the air, maybe those like stretching, leaning, but then the speed at which I bring them back down to the ground, it's like the perfect speed for our two bodies where there's no effort there. So it's it's really also the that natural rhythm between two people. And that's what you and, tune um,
1: into. Yeah, you know, the, the, that natural. Yeah, movement.
2: and then I and then I can wash the dishes <laughs> with no
0: hurry. Really? Okay. I so can, then you
1: apply it like a yogic exercise. I uh, just where you did the dishes, walking the dog, whatever. Well,
0: it yeah. seems to me this yeah. now starts suggesting one of the other nine principles, which is the full participation principle, which I might characterize as mindfulness or presence but to really not be thinking about something else while you're paying attention to what's in front of you. Would you describe that?
2: Yeah. And that really highlights like we, our world is fragmented and we live with mind and body and feelings in three separate places. And that creates stress and that creates tension and anxiety. And so when we bring the mind to the body and we register the weight and the breath, And so that's that direction of the body work. It helps me practice bringing the mind to the body. And then the feelings come in. I'm fully participating because I'm not fragmented anymore. I'm not in three separate places. I'm right here.
1: Now, the three places, mind, body, and feelings. So, So feelings are different than body sensations in this model.
2: Well, if I start to notice, I mean, even if you just think kind of right now, like, I don't know for myself, like I just flash to like, what am I having for dinner? Right. So there's mine. <laughs> and then I tune into whatever my feelings are. And then I, there's still this body right here in this room, but I didn't actually know that yeah.
0: a second ago. Right. Cause you were paying attention somewhere else. Yeah. So I bring in inward.
2: Do you yeah.
1: find it practicing these principles of harmony, bring in more spontaneity in your actions?
2: It supports me to not just react but to actually be able to respond
1: to be present i guess you would say to be
2: present and actually see what's needed by seeing how my reactions actually impact the world impact those around me Hmm. um, when i'm not present
1: do you find when you're more present that you experience more synchronicities
2: i recognize them
1: (laughs) (laughs) what do they suggest to you that you're on course or things are good how do you understand your, your synchronicity? Um,
2: uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I start to see, like, really the world has so many patterns, and a lot of that's in my own reactions and yeah. everything that's happening. But when I'm present, I can actually relate to them. Oh. So instead of seeing something as a tragedy, right, like, oh, that happened, why did it happen to me? Yeah. I, I see it as a gift. A gift, you said? Yeah, because it supports me to be present. Mm-hmm. And so I begin to recognize all the things that are actually supporting me in my life. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, when you were in Ethiopia, did you find that you could practice any of these principles there, you know, in cultures that were very different from ours? Did it fit into that aspect of humanity to work with these principles? Or was it more on just that's the way you were and you brought that feeling across to, to your patients there or what?
2: Yeah, a couple different ways. We did teach classes in Ethiopia. There's a lot of people there that are wishing to bring more presence into their daily life. Mm. So we had fun, you know, teaching to Ethiopians, teaching to some of the NGO workers. Very practically, these nine principles are for me, like you said, for me to bring into my daily life. Yeah. So working with no force, if I'm sitting as a doctor with somebody and they have a completely different paradigm for health and what health means to them, Mm -hmm. that principle of no force, or like you were saying, full participation, it supports me to listen, to be available, to actually hear, gosh, what is needed in this situation, in this setting, and not just say, oh, this is what the books say and, and here's what you have to do now, because their books are totally different. I mean, everyone's are, but you see it more in a different culture.
1: Yeah, yeah, very interesting. These principles really help you be into a space where you're more receptive to what's going on around you, and, and working with that, the belief systems. I guess you're you're dealing with. Mm-hmm.
0: Now I have a question: Is it an unusual situation for someone such as yourself, who is actually a family practiced health worker, doctor? Is it unusual for a brema practitioner to bring that level of medical training to the practice? And are other brema practitioners more focused on other areas of wellness?
2: Yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah. there's brema practitioners all around the world. Some do brema as part of like body work practices. In our office in Oakland, we have an integrative clinic and we have somatic psychotherapists. So Angela Porter's integrating BRIMO and she teaches at CIIS and and JFK, some of the local somatic psychotherapy schools. Mm. And in Germany, Austria, too, it's very popular with somatic therapists because that approach to actually that non-judgmental approach is so supportive in that question of trauma. Mm. Because I see, oh, trauma is actually something that happened in the past, something I'm afraid of in the future. But then I can have an experience of feeling comfortable in my body Mm. right now. Right. So it's very invaluable in that field as well. So, yeah, there are people that do bring it into their other practices.
1: Mm -hmm. What you're saying, you can be a brema practitioner, even if you're a engineer or a farmer.
2: Yeah, My husband's a farmer and he used to be the CEO of a small business. And he's a brema practitioner because he appreciates how it supports him, his daily life, his own way of relating to the world.
0: Is brema primarily a personal practice or are there groups doing brema in some kind of context?
2: It's a personal practice and at the brema center in Oakland and our center in Hummingbird Valley in Santa Cruz and other places around the world as well, we're teaching it. And then there's practice groups of people working together to practice the body work, the exercises and to support themselves with that
0: right so when we were talking yesterday you talked about how your exposure to brema really sank in when you were dealing with personal health crises i'd love to hear you describe just how it fit into your healing practice but we might have to come back because we have to go to a little commercial do you have a little bit more time if we take a two minute break and then come back i do yes oh good all right. All right, so why don't you think about that question about, you know. Yeah, how, I'd like to, to hear
1: more about how you came to our area, too, and a little bit about uh, what the Brema Center is here in Santa Cruz.
0: All right. So and, we'll be right back. Yeah, we'll be right back that. with our guest, Dr. Johnson, and an understanding of Brema, the nine principles of harmony. of of which I'm dying. Okay, we're back. We are talking with our guest, Dr. Alexandra Atana, R. Johnson. And we're talking MD. about brema, which is a very powerful health practice that involves the nine principles of harmony
1: we're going through some of those with Alexandra, and we've covered quite a few so far. But right now, I'd like to get a little bit about how you came to open up a Brema Center in our area, in San Cruz.
0: sweetie, could we maybe go back to the question I asked just before the break before we do that? Okay, sure. Okay, because <laughs> I was wanting to really understand your discovery of the Brema principles and how you applied that to your own health conditions and how that helped you regain your health.
2: Yeah. When I discovered Brema, I was in my early 20s and really in a mental health crisis at the time. I'd had a lot of death around me. My mom got diagnosed with cancer and I was in college and just began to wonder why I was in college, what was going on. And, and that was manifesting as some depression, some PMS symptoms. Um, and I went to my doctor who prescribed something and I just thought to myself, gee, is, is that really what this period of my life is for? Is it for me to just take this and then I'll be fine? And I began to look at various modalities and I received a BREMA treatment at that time. And what I saw in that moment, I saw, wow, I feel supported. I feel like I'm okay. Like I'm still having these mental symptoms i still have these questions of what is this world what's going on here you know these really some essential questions were coming alive for me at the time but i felt like i had the energy to then uh, move forward and see what i needed to do to support my own health and so that to me that it was like shining a flashlight in the dark and then i began studying brema at that time i was planning to use it with women in childbirth and then flash forward i guess 10 years. And then I was living in Ethiopia and working. I had three kids. I was working as faculty at an Ethiopian hospital and I got really sick and I got a, a parasite that was in my brain. And again, I saw, wow, I'm not functioning optimally. And actually I was really seeking the prescription <laughs> at that time, but I wasn't able to quite get it yet. And so in that interim between Between that and getting the antibiotic that I thought I needed, I began to do a lot of brema. So I couldn't work my job. I was exhausted. I had essentially chronic fatigue. And I was doing self brema every day. I explored a lot of different holistic modalities because I think that all of these modalities are available for us to use at the right time. Like acupuncture um, or acupuncture, homeopathy, herbs, Ayurvedic, yoga, yeah, everything. And I saw when I had the opportunity to either give Grima or actually teach it, I could do that. And so I just began to see, wow, where is that energy coming from that's different than the physical energy that was drained? Mm -hmm. And so that really highlighted something for me, like that physical, mechanical energy that we normally use to get around our day-to-day, When that gets drained, when we're having a health crisis mentally, physically, or emotionally, there's actually another pot of energy we can draw from. Our essential energy, actually, that level of conscious energy. And so that's the level that Brima is working at. Mm. And so I saw, wow, I can't deliver babies right now. I was doing C-sections. I was doing famine relief. Like, I couldn't do any of that. Mm. But I could lean on somebody's, like, abdomen or on their shoulder And because that was me actually working with my essential energy, like that mutual support there, I could do that. And so I decided to come back to the Bay Area, I'm from San Francisco, Mm -hmm. and combine my medical clinic with Brema body work so that I could support people both ways. So how do we work with that kind of physical, mechanical energy that sometimes does need prescriptions, herbs, all of these modalities, But then also, how do we access the healing energy, that energy that's actually on that level of of consciousness and uniting ourselves? And that's what then gives the patient. So myself at this time as the patient, I got the reins back. I could be in control because I was in control of how I was spending my vital energy, even while I was searching for the answers to my health crisis.
0: Thank you. That really gives us a lot
1: of insight about it. Thank you very much. Mm. It sounds a lot like a spiritual practice. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, Bhrima works on so many different levels—the physical and the energetic level. It feels really good. <laughs> like it's just yeah. a nice modality. It's comforting. But that level of consciousness—and sometimes we talk about Bhrima in the term of these four relationships. So there's the relationship with my body and the relationship with my outer world. Those are the ones that most of us spend our lives either struggling in, draining energy with, trying to arrange ourselves with a job and a family. But then that third relationship is the relationship with myself. Hmm. So Brema is actually supporting you to develop that relationship, and that becomes your inner compass and your inner guide. That yeah, helps um, you with and, your
1: uh, other relationships after you, like your family. You, yeah. Like you said, you had five kids to us yesterday. I, and do you, yep, you, do yep. You, and you say did some of them are more amenable to Prima than others, or yeah? What's it like being <laughs> yeah, so. a, a mom with a Prima practitioner?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I have five kids. Three of them are adopted. So really, everything I offer in my family medicine practice, it's all from my own experience, either with my family, with other clients. Nothing is. Mm, it's all got to be verified for myself, and so that's what I support my patients with too. Mm-hmm. And that goes the kids, like children are self-developing creatures. They have their own reason for being in the world Mm. and their own way to discover that reason. And they're going to need to go through their own experiences. And so those nine principles, like if I can be supporting one of my kiddos and have no force alive, that can support me to ultimately help them figure out how to make their own decisions. Mm. And son, you were asking me yesterday, like, gee, aren't there times when you kind of need to force something? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Just being a normal human. (laughs) And certainly
1: in plumbing there is.
2: (laughs) You know, I was thinking about it today. It's like, it's kind of like a seed coming up from the soil. There's a certain amount of tension needed to break through that soil.
0: Mm, Right got to sprout
2: you got to sprout but it's not force. it's like we take those pressures that life puts us in and i see this in my kids all the time i mean i have five teenagers
1: right <laughs> five teenagers wow, wow. That's, that's no joke yeah a spiritual practice yeah <laughs> and
2: <laughs> understatement <laughs> yeah. and and so it's like wow we're each put in this pressure cooker of planet earth with our own lessons to learn and so these nine principles are guiding lights for us to say, what is my lesson? How do I get through this? What is my way of no force? What is my way of fully participating in this moment? I can take advice from other people. There's tons of people who want to give me lots and lots of it. <laughs> Five teenagers, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah they're good. They, they know they're, yeah, they're very trustworthy. But that's third relationship the relationship with myself that then shows me how to actualize Mm -hmm. how to actualize it
0: oh great yeah i love the way it really creates a harmonic unity between your individuality with your social identity that you get to honor both in the same practice
2: yeah and just to say that there's a fourth relationship which is the relationship with all that exists Hmm. with everything, you know, with however you define the greater spirit, greater energies, the universe, the planet, and that relationship's always okay. But to see it, I can be connected to myself again. So to see those synchronicities, to see that everything is supporting me, to recognize that I'm connected to all that exists, I need Hmm. to be connected to myself.
1: Yeah, it starts with yourself and goes out from there. Beautiful. (laughs) Do you consider the universe to be alive?
2: When I'm present and I'm inhaling and exhaling, the whole universe is breathing with me. Mm. People will ask in the body work because we say, "Oh, hold here for three breaths," yeah. and they say, "Oh, well, is this my breath? Is it the recipient's breath? Whose breath is it?" You know. But if I'm tuning into my breaths, I see we're all we're all breathing together. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: that's a matter um, of awareness. I thing. had it. Go ahead, Bobby. Bobby's in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, I had it. Yeah.
2: Yes, hi.
1: A couple things. I noticed when I was taking acting
2: school that when you breathe with another person and you're synchronized in breathing, there is really an intense connection between people. And then later, I think your heart starts beating at the same rate too. And there's a connection there. So I don't know if you could talk about how this breathing is essential to be in contact with other people and your environment and slowing down your breathing, how that affects um, how that works in with Prima. I mean, that's so beautiful the way you put that because it just shows me over and over that I need to start with myself. And so to support anyone, to be in sync with anyone, with anything, if I am connected to myself, let me show one short exercise here. So You can all do this at home. So bring your thumbs to behind your ears and your fingers to the front of your ears. So essentially you're holding your earlobes in between your forefinger and your thumb. And there's some firmness there, but also gentleness. And then inhale. And then as you exhale, keeping that firmness, just let your fingertips slide from off your earlobes to rest in your lap. Your hands are resting in your knees. And then just notice the effect of that That's a self-prima exercise called between inhalation and exhalation, a moment of being awake.
0: Hmm. Beautiful. So subtle and so profound. Hmm. It's amazing how the most abundant experiences of our awareness are those that are the least noticed or almost taken for granted. And how it's almost so simple to just draw our attention to it and yet so infrequent that we draw on that. Yeah. yeah. I like that practice. I like that moment between the
1: inhale and the exhale. (laughs) Do you see these principles ultimately being taught in schools? Um, Do you think it'd be a good idea or do you think this is more of a personal process?
2: Yeah. Prima is a personal process and, and gosh, I mean, it'd be lovely if the, so the universe is actually functioning for looking at that fourth relationship. Like there is mutual support. Like, that's how the universe functions. The universe is not hurrying or pausing. So that's another one of those principles, right? No hurry, no pause. No hurry, no pause. And so part of this is me bringing this in, and the other part of is it me recognizing that this is just how the world is when I'm connected to myself. Mm-hmm. And so if in schools... Gosh, if our striving wasn't on accomplishing more and better and faster and, like, leaving ourselves, Mm -hmm. but actually coming home to ourselves, Mm. I think we would definitely be doing our kids a service. Yeah.
0: Well, so what is the relationship of this mindfulness with the idea of ambition or intention or even just goal setting and manifestation? Mm -hmm,
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm everything has both sides so for brema itself it's really the practice of not trying but being being here i can experience myself here simply in this moment either alone or in relationship to someone else Mm -hmm. those first two relationships matter like i need some money i need a safe place to live food on the table but ultimately that next step of really human development so it's the difference between self-development and self-change. I don't actually have to change to be who I am.
0: Mm, there you go. So it's not like you're a clean slate and you have to race it and start over again. It's more like you need to tune into what is the eternal awareness and that you come back to over and over again.
2: I begin to see that I'm not the story that I've written about myself.
0: That's good. Yeah, that's helpful. (laughs) I'm always really grateful when I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) I am not my story. (laughs) Oh, and you know, another thing I thought was a good moment we had yesterday is not only are you not the story about yourself that you're telling yourself, but you also have a way of using that insight to deal with the story that other people tell about you. Right. So more your reputation. We were talking about being at home with your family over the holidays and how your story about yourself is so different than the story they're telling you. And how can this practice help you with that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the things I don't like can support me as equally as the things I like. Mm -hmm. So being in family situations, being over the holidays, there's a lot of strong emotions that come up over the holidays, whether we're with our families or not, actually. And feeling connected to ourselves can actually support us then to, or having no judgment of ourselves can actually support us to have no judgment with others as well. Mm.
1: you think it could be applied to situations like, uh, I don't know, um, international affairs or politics? Um, Are there any Bremen practitioners that even considered a political career? Because it seems like a lot of the decisions for all of us are being made in that arena. And if there was more of a principles of harmony being applied in politics, it could be a good thing. I'm just wondering if that's a reasonable thing that could be achieved.
2: Well, you know, my wish is to start with myself. And Mm -hmm. I was talking to a friend this morning who's in a situation where there is some war going on, and Mm -hmm. she said she was giving as many brema treatments as she could to as many people as she could. Mm -hmm. I really related to that also from my experience. I was in Ethiopia, actually, just when a civil war was starting. Wow. And I saw that what I could do was support people by giving brema, by just not increasing the anger, not increasing the fear, either within myself or like if I'm at a family dinner, Mm -hmm. there could be a disagreement going on and I can pick up my fork and I can eat with no hurry, no pause during family
1: dinner. No hurry, no pause.
0: (laughs) I see. So just amplifying that sense of harmony and wellness within yourself is a legitimate reaction to some issues around you that you don't want to participate in.
2: Well, Well, it's a step I can take, right? The world has always been at war, and our families have always been fighting. (laughs) (laughs) So as we were saying yesterday,
1: microcosm, macrocosm. Start with what you can affect. yeah, Yeah,
2: Some of us can be out there negotiating peace or having whatever job you have. Maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a therapist, Maybe you're an activist, but whatever job you have, if you have the potential, the possibility to connect to yourself, then that's going to directly support yourself. That'll support the situation that you're in. There was one time I was delivering a baby and there was some problem and we were about to have to go to C-section. And I just saw everybody was really in arms. There was chaos in the rooms and you could hear the baby's heart tones going crazy. And I remembered one of the brima principles and I brought that alive and I registered my body sitting there and I had my hand on the patient's foot and I started doing a little brima with her foot. And as I started doing brima with her foot, I became more quiet inwardly. I was connected. She became connected. Lo and behold, the baby's heart tones got better. You know, that wasn't my aim, but when somebody in the room is able to connect to themselves it can have a powerful effect on the whole conversation.
0: Sure. And back to what Bobby was saying about how breathing together gives rise to our heart's capacity to beat together. It's a well-known phenomenon that we humans are empathic creatures and that we do imitate each other and take our tone from each other. So sometimes just one person can seed the entire group with a different vibration, and because it's so much more natural and inviting, people joyfully embrace it, Hmm. right? And they can leave behind that story of stress that maybe they started with, just because of the support of another option being available.
1: Hmm. It reminds me of, um, if you can keep your head when others about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. You can trust yourself when all others doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting, too. Reminds me of Royard Kipling in If, that classic <laughs> poem, you know, because if you are keeping the calm in the center of the storm, then that does permeate out there. There seems to be some kind of sympathetic resonance that happens in the collective nervous system, I guess you might say, of the yeah. group. Yeah.
0: So I'd like to talk a little bit about the active practice that you have and what people could join you in doing. I know that you are in Santa Cruz and you're involved in Santa Cruz. You have a center in Santa Cruz. You have a center in Oakland. Give people an idea of what times and opportunities are available if they're feeling resonant with this subject we've been discussing.
2: Yeah, so the Brema Center is in Oakland. Every day of the week, the Brema Center actually has online self-Brema classes, and they're always free. Usually it's 9 a.m., and so that's something anyone anywhere in the world can access at okay. Brema, Let B-R-E-E-M-A dot com. Let me repeat that, So
0: B-R-E-E-M-A. because there was a little <laughs> dropout. B-R-E-E-M-A, Brema dot com. hmm
2: and then there's regular classes in Oakland. Tomorrow night, so Wednesday night in Santa Cruz at Hummingbird Valley, we have a class from 7 to 9 p.m. That's a special Thanksgiving support class. So talk about our preparing for our family dinner. Oh, yes, dinner. get ready for the dinner. <laughs> Great. <laughs>
0: and the Hummingbird Center, people can just Google that and get the address. Yeah, that's on the BRIMO
2: website. It's also at greetinghealth.com, and it's Hummingbird Valley. Yeah, in Santa Cruz.
0: Okay. And what time does that class start tomorrow night? 7 p.m. Okay. All right. That's great. And then are there other things coming up? Uh, I know that you said at some point you're going to be offering trainings. You're going to be offering retreats. What kinds of things can we look forward to and when? Yep.
2: People can come see me as a doctor. So I do functional family medicine. I do Brema body work in January the 21st. That week we're offering a one-week juice cleanse retreat where you can get Brema bodywork, a juice cleanse, and go to some Brema classes as well. Um, So a nurturing way to start your new year.
1: Nice. Beautiful. That's your Hummingbird Valley Retreat Center off of uh, Glen Canyon Road in Santa Cruz.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is a beautiful place. Did you find that serendipitously, or how did you find such a beautiful place in Santa Cruz?
2: We were so incredibly lucky to have found it. Yeah beautiful gardens and a beautiful retreat space and housing for people. So yeah, we were just grateful.
1: (laughs) Hikes in the redwood there. It's just, what is it? 40 acres or something?
0: Yeah. Well, I can tell you that the inner world is definitely well reflected in the outer world. (laughs) And I really just wish you the best of success. And I'm so grateful for all of these practices that you're bringing to our community. It's Mm. really beautiful.
1: And if you could suggest one thing that uh, the listeners can can try for themselves after the show, what would that be?
0: Well,
2: when you get in your car to go wherever you're going next, uh, okay. <laughs> you drive with no hurry, no pause. And, no and hurry, no
1: happens. pause.
0: <laughs> so, the opposite of road rage is like road harmony. Yep. <laughs> I have a phrase that I use for that. If you get stuck in an unexpected traffic jam and you're running late and all those normal ways that we stress ourselves, I have a phrase I say, this is a cosmic timing adjustment. And I just go into gratitude that maybe I'm missing an accident or I'm going to show up perfectly on time for someone who I otherwise would have missed or, yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> just surrender to somebody you some ran across
1: in the grocery store
0: form of pronoia that the universe is actually conspiring for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did feel that the other day when we were going in wild routes. I, I, I was first getting annoyed with the number of cars all suddenly pulling out of the parking lot at the same time. But then, you know, I relaxed, got into the flow of it. And sure enough, we met like not one, not two, but three people that we needed to connect with in the store. From that. All so right. it was great. Well, thank you, Alexandra. Thank you so much, Dr. Alexandra Johnson and the Brema Center in Oakland and in Santa Cruz. So thank you so much for thank being Thank you so in. much for having me. Yeah. yeah thank you so much, Phil. Yeah. 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 Really thank appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Great Fine. hearing from everybody, Bobby, Al, yeah. Alexandra. So glad you're here. Thank you. Until next week, enjoy your future now.
1: Bye for now.